1: Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. Are you laughing at yourself? Yes. I am Tiana.
2: And I am Kervin. That's it. That's all the laughing I'm doing today.
1: But why were you laughing?
2: Because.
1: <laughs> no, I, never mind.
2: I'll talk to you later about it.
1: Okay, fine. He's already laughing at his own jokes, folks. I mean, he started this yet. All right. So today, of course, we'll be covering all the big big, big geopolitical stories of the week, and there are a lot to get to. But first, we need to talk about April's edition of Insightful Inquiries, and you spoke to veteran Green Beret and current Hollywood actor Jeff Bosley. Do you have a clip that you can share with all of our listeners?
2: I do. Yeah, like you said, that's coming out um, Sunday, April 2nd. I do want to say... We are very similar people, um, so it was such a fun conversation. You're you're going to hear right. that in it. Uh, we did about an hour be- uh, before we even started the podcast, and about thirty minutes after, just talking to each other, not even in in the podcast, and that wasn't recorded, so no one can hear that. But I, I just want to say, you know, from do you, if you ever meet anybody from Hollywood, you won't usually say they're like a genuine, humble person. Unless Jeff,
1: you're Keanu Reeves.
2: Unless you're Keanu. And Jeff is a lot like Keanu. He's just very humble. Aww. Um, I I just can't wait, you know, to see what his future holds for him because he's got a yeah. bunch of big things coming up.
1: That is really, really, really cool. And I'm glad you enjoyed that conversation. And I can attest to them conversing almost daily.
2: <laughs> yeah. Jeff's great. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they're yeah they hit it off really well. So yeah, play the clip so we can hear what we what we're in for.
0: Here we go. And Sandberg, when he was talking in between scenes, he was sharp. His eyes were engaged, and he you could just tell he was a smart guy. And and to be that level of and funny was there. But then right when they called action, he he got these weird cow glazed eyes. Like he just looked like an idiot all of a sudden. And I was like, "Don't screw this up, Bosley," because he. I I wanted to laugh so hard because I watched it them go action, and he's went to like this cow mode of just dumb ass moron, and I just was like don't laugh. You're playing a serious, hit. and so I wrote really, like that was the first time I realized what it would be like to work on like a Will Ferrell movie or those movies where it's just funny as hell. Like I we cut, and I just would turn my back and like, "Cool man, don't be the giant train that's laughing." <laughs> But it was, that was fun as hell. It was, that was the first time where I realized, oh oh, man, I, as much as I, like on paper, if I make a tough face or I'm showing off muscles and tattoos, I'm always going to play that guy. But when I watch shows like Parks and Rec or New Girl or The Office, those shows, those just look like best freaking kick in the ass fun that anybody could have. Like those would probably just be a dream come true.
2: So I guess I should have set that clip up. um, (laughs) Because he was...
1: (laughs) I was thinking, like, what so,
2: are you doing? <laughs> so he's talking about Andy Samberg, and and he's in an episode. So Jeff is in an episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine, um, you know, playing sort of a criminal character, and uh, sort
1: of a criminal character.
2: Well, he said he was for when he went to read for the script, uh, or for the role, they wanted yeah. an Italian Guido. All oh, right. And so that was the role he was trying to play. Oh, okay. Well, and, uh, yeah, so just
1: I I like this because it's deviating from our typical insightful inquiries, and it can show it shows that you know whenever you're in the military, you don't necessarily have to go into that sphere. Whenever you leave the military, there are other things you can do. Yeah, besides he's, that,
2: he's got a passion for acting, so he was a theater actor before he even joined the military. Oh wow. And he kind of joined in his 30s. But I'm not going to spoil anything more because yeah, you guys should shut definitely up. listen.
1: Yeah, I plan on listening to this one too. So we'll get there. Can't wait. Thank you for that clip. And thank you for saying what it was about. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the context that we all needed because I know I didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Shut up, Tiana. What is on your radar?
2: Curve it. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. So we're gonna start with uh, with Russia, Ukraine. I will say before any of that, um, uh, before we did. Well, after we did sort of the pre production of the episode, it came to light that Russia um, detained and arrested a, a U.S. journalist from the Washington or from the Wall Street Journal. Sorry. Right. We're not we're not gonna go in depth into that because I'm still trying to get some information on what's happening and yeah. sort of the conversations. But
1: but he is aware of it.
2: Yes. And uh, and so the journalist is as safe as you can be right now, and they're working behind the scenes to try to get him back to the US. But right. we're gonna go into the war in Ukraine. We're gonna talk about how Belarus is gonna host Russian nuclear warheads. We'll talk about um, some recent press about how the U.S. is continuing their drone mission, but it's sort of at a distance from Crimea. We will get into your story of the week.
1: I am so excited, space.
2: Yes, we're going to do the space. So, you know, space is becoming the future battlefield. We'll definitely get into that and then go right to... We'll talk about space. We're going to talk about China and how China is warning Taiwan against meeting with U.S. officials. Uh, then we'll talk stay in in Asia and talk North Korea, who actually put on a display of their new nuclear warhead. And we'll in round this out with uh, these global protests that have been going on around the world and what their geopolitical implications are.
1: You mean everyone's unhappy with their government?
2: <laughs> for different reasons too? Huh? Who wouldn't know? Who would have guessed?
1: Mm. they mess up all kinds of
2: things
1: (laughs) all right so what is the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine
2: well we'll start with uh Wagner Group forces which have they've likely taken over the northern portion of Bakhmut and they continue to make gains within the city so there's a lot of um aside from that aside from the war effort there is a lot of talk about the discontent of Russians towards Vladimir Putin because this war just keeps dragging on. Right. And uh, so the main financier for Wagner Group, Yevini Prze- 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 um, it looks like he is going to start using his influence in Russia's mainstream media to present himself as the potential contender in Russia's 2024 presidential elections.
1: He's going to get clinton
2: Or... That is going to be the wildest elections Russia has ever seen.
1: I feel like 2024 is going to be the wildest elections for a lot of countries.
2: I am not ready.
1: I'm not ready either. <laughs> it makes me nervous. I can feel my blood pressure shooting up thinking about it.
2: Yeah. And, and that's all. So we're talking about Russia. 2024 is coming up. And right now, the cost of Russia's war in Ukraine is going to consume a substantial portion of the russian federal budget and if you know anything about politics and elections that always falls into the economic sphere so if if the economy tanks look out this is going to be very interesting to watch
1: um let me just say something uh I notice there's like a difference between people going to war, you know, in World War One and World War Two, where they go into it knowing they could possibly take years, and then now this generation, they're just like, we don't want to be here, and they're they're able to say it now, and they're able to do things to kind of get out of it. And you know, the fact that it's the fact that Putin is ticked off, he doesn't have Ukraine yet. And every, oh, my God, my brain is not working right
2: now. I mean, I know exactly. You get what I'm, get what I'm yes. trying to
1: say? Like, yep. like, oh, this is taking too long. This is taking too long. I'm like, we literally just got out of Afghanistan, which took 12 years or however many years it was. 20. And 20. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Uh, I guess I blocked that out. <laughs> um <laughs> But it's just crazy that now this generation, they're like, we're going to fight for you for years. We have lives we need to get to. And yeah. honestly, I... I'll
2: give you six I like, months.
1: I like it. I'll give you six months. If you don't accomplish your objective, that's on you, buddy. Maybe you should have, I don't know, not done this.
2: Yeah, so about 10 years ago, I started to, to talk about this. Not that anyone listened because it was just internal, you know, dialogue, but i kind of I haven't figured out the correct term for it, but I always called it like microwave nation. Everybody has I, to have things immediately, so it's it has to be done now,
1: yeah, it's immediate gratification yeah everyone's everyone from the generation that's fighting right now they have basically always had cell phones, yep. they've always had the internet, they have always had access to things that we couldn't Even our generation couldn't even think of having those things available. Like We still had to go to the library, and we still had to go find reference books in the reference section of the library, and we had to seek out the specific topic we were looking for. And here, all you have to do is type stuff out on Google, and then you get a plethora of different yeah,
2: resources. Not even, not even Google anymore. You can go chat GPT and oh, ask about whatever too old
1: for that apparently <laughs> I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> but all right, we need to get back on topic, I think. So speaking of interesting events, Russia announced that they um will move nuclear weapons to Belarus. What is the latest there? Because this sounds dumb.
2: All right. So exactly like you said, Putin announced Russia is going to store nuclear weapons in Belarus, and then uh, later in the week, Belarus actually confirmed that it is going to host those tactical nuclear weapons in response to what it claims is Western pressure on Belarus.
1: And what Western pressures are they talking about?
2: So mainly they're talking about the sanctions put in place, but also the military buildup by NATO um, near its borders. So Belarusian officials have claimed that the deployment of those tactical nukes are necessary to protect the country against what they view as a campaign of pressure from really the United States, but also its allies. And they think it's aimed at overthrowing the government of President Alexander Lukashenko.
1: No doubt the U.S. and NATO have different views of this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, of course. We, you know, we in the U.S. and NATO do, um... So they see the decision to deploy nuclear weapons in Belarus as one of Moscow's toughest nuclear signals since the invasion of Ukraine in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, not even within the U.S. and NATO, but anti-nuclear campaigners from around the world, they're also concerned. They're worried the that um, the the step that Russia is taking is actually unnecessary from a military viewpoint.
1: Right. But... This move by Russia and Belarus isn't surprising to you, is it?
2: No, not at all. So Lukashenko, that's the president of Belarus. He's long been in the process of gradually constructing what he calls a union state with Russia. Yeah. Um, just, I' sorry to tell you, Lukashenko, it's not going to be a union state. It's going to be a Russian state. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> He's just being told it's going to be a union.
2: Yeah. State. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah. So Lukashenko is going to deliver a State of the Nation address at the end of this week. Um, It's probably happening as you guys are listening to this episode. And that announcement is likely to have significant geopolitical implications. It's most likely going to solidify Belarus's partnership with Russia and then further strain Belarus's relationship with the West.
1: Well, staying on the topic of U.S.-Russia relations, you commented on the continued U.S. drone missions in the Black Sea for British media. Um, What can you update us on from that situation?
2: Yeah, so let's go back, you know, a couple weeks ago when... Back in time! (laughs) Let's roll it back in time. I don't have that clip. Um, But so a couple weeks ago, Russian pilots maneuvered over a U.S. MQ-9, which is a UAV or RPA or, as we all know, a drone. And that was over the Black Sea. One pilot got a bit too close, hit the rear of the drone, forcing Air Force officials to call for the drone to be crashed in the Black Sea. Now, the U.S. has decided it's going to fly its ISR or its intelligence surveillance or reconnaissance equipment further south over the Black Sea, closer to Turkey. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's definitely a precautionary measure that They want to avoid another incident because another incident is going to escalate tensions into a direct conflict with Russian forces.
1: And you have said flying drones at greater distances reduces the quality of intelligence they can gather, which should be a concern for the U.S. military, right?
2: Yeah. So that's what I told British media members last Friday, and I do think Ah, so.
1: Shut up.
2: I think some U.S. media picked up on it. Talking to you, yeah. CNN. Yeah, name he, us.
1: He's mad about CNN right now, y'all.
2: Um, now these new flight routes put those. Um, so they were flying the the MQ9s, but mm-hmm. it is actually the um, RQ4 that is actually flying now, which is a different oh, type. Okay. It's the same, but it's so what's the still- difference? still a uav but they have different kind of payloads on them with the Uh, camera and that kind of stuff okay um but they're flying those 40 nautical miles from the ukrainian coast they had been flying 12 nautical miles which is normally the recognized limit of a nation's airspace
1: can you kind of explain why that diminishes the intelligence
2: sure um um, this So, it's all dependent on the type of ISR equipment that's being flown. Now, when I was working with MQ-9s, and I did work with the RQs before, so we, we had what was the Westcam MX-20, and that has nice. a range of about 30 miles. Um, now, what I have seen is that the Air Force has upgraded. They actually went to Raytheon's Multispectral Targeting System, or MSTS, uh, that increases the visual range to just a little bit over 30 miles. I believe it's 34 miles, but still further from that 40 nautical miles. Right. So when you're talking just from a full motion video standpoint, it's going to be very difficult for analysts to decipher what's happening on the ground when they're, you know, 30,000 feet in the air, 40 nautical miles away. <laughs> um, I was. Have we done it with the MX-20? Yeah, I I did it. Uh, Mm -hmm. It takes a very skilled analyst. I'm not saying anything about me. Very skilled analysts can actually look down on it and identify stuff. But there's still a ton of unknowns that are going to be passed on to Ukraine from that distance.
1: Well, do you think this is a smart move by the U.S. or do you think it'll be to our detriment?
2: A very interesting question there. So it's a necessary move, not necessarily a smart move. Right. Um. I guess if you're talking it's a necessary move, it's smart to do it. But that, so the U.S. is not going to get that space within 12 nautical miles back from Russia. Right. And so Russia's going to have unfettered access to the airspace, which is what they wanted. That's why they did that. Right. And so now Ukraine is handcuffed in the region of Crimea. Um, and there were kind of rumblings where they wanted to do a counteroffensive to regain that land from Russia
1: but the US kind of had to play it safe there may as well get any sort of intelligence than nothing at all right
2: yeah so yeah you can't keep losing these pieces of equipment that are tens of millions of dollars a piece just to right. prove a point right so the the decision is you have two choices to make here get into a full war with Russia or provide a lesser intelligence product to Ukraine and the US chose provide a lesser intelligence product to ukraine and honestly that was the only decision they could make in my mind
1: okay well let's move to the story on my radar a future space war (laughs) are you are you ready to talk about what is happening in space right now without divulging those classified topics you said you aren't able to talk about yet which bums me out because i don't know any of that stuff either
2: yep um boo I'm just saying yes, that, that you don't I know. know.
1: I know, but I can't, I can't wait to hear all about this stuff. Even though I have no desire to go to space, it's, this it's is just to... fascinating to me. It, fascinating. Should
2: be, it should be concerning and fascinating to everybody.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah.
2: What I will say is, I'm going to let you lead the way with the questions, and then okay. I will try my best to answer all of them.
1: Okay, <clears throat> let me get comfortable here for a second. Why is space important in geopolitics? Okay. I got comfortable and then I, asks.
2: That's the comf- That's Tiana's comfortable voice. That's
1: my comfortable voice.
2: Well, um, so why is space important in geopolitics? Mainly it's important because space provides countries with strategic advantages like global communication, early warning systems, and intelligence gathering capabilities. Also, space has military applications because of satellites that can be used for uh, reconnaissance. I talked about the ISR equipment. Some of those are satellites that we put in space. Right. Also, navigation and then early detection for missile warning.
1: In your informed opinion, who is currently winning the space race? Right, Comfortable Tiana talking. again. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm going to stop talking <laughs> like that because it's actually annoying me <laughs> more than anything. So I'm just going to stop. I apologize. Okay, let me ask the question in my normal voice. In your informed opinion, who is currently winning the space race?
2: So, the U.S., China, and Russia are pretty much the only major players in the space race right now. Right. It's still difficult to ascertain who's winning um, because actually each country has its own strengths and weaknesses. As well, there's a lot of classified stuff that each country doesn't know about the other country. Right. So that makes it tough as well. But the U.S. has historically been the leader in space exploration, and it currently has a more advanced space program than either China or Russia. Now, right. with that said, the current move by China and Russia to align their space prog- programs, that could help those two nations actually advance past the United States.
1: At least initially, I feel like, because eventually one of them is going to want to light up on the other.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got it right.
1: So what are the geopolitical implications of that partnership between Russia and China?
2: Uh, so because of the military use of certain equipment in space, the implications are actually quite huge. So in a conflict with Russia and China, the U.S. is going to be at a disadvantage from an intelligence standpoint. Um, but not only that, from a personnel recovery standpoint, right? It- it's going to make finding and extracting isolated personnel more difficult for the U.S. I say that because over the last two decades of war, you talk about Iraq and Afghanistan, the U.S. has had airspace superiority. That means if a pilot goes down or someone is isolated, the U.S. can send all of its assets to the location to get that pilot back to safety. You know, usually we would tell people, you have anywhere between 30 minutes and 12 hours and we'll get to you. Uh, now we're looking at three, three days to months of being isolated. Um, that's
1: space, no less.
2: Yeah. Right, and,
1: which is already scary. <laughs> yeah.
2: And so the competition between the U.S., China, and Russia, even with all of that stuff in there, It's also going to lead to an arms race in space. And that's going to potentially destabilize international relations across the board.
1: Lasers, here we come. That's... Yes. Huh? What would you say?
2: I said that you have nailed it.
1: Yeah. Lasers. Okay, so how would it destabilize international relations, though?
2: So the many ways. First as countries race to develop space capabilities and assets, there is an increased risk of military tensions and conflict uh, that's within the space, the realm of space. <laughs> this could lead to a new front in the geopolitical competition between those major powers. So we're not talking that's about it. on the land. Now we right. have a, a I guess we should call it, I don't even know what to call it. I haven't the thought
1: next about it, front sorry. here?
2: Yeah, a Star Trek geopolitical competition. Trek,
1: baby. Trek, <laughs> not track. Trek. Star Trek.
2: That's the Mamu coming out.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Also, so second, the development of space capabilities could actually have implications for nuclear deterrence. A lot what we talk about. So here's an example of nuclear deterrence. The United States and Russia rely heavily on their satellite networks for early warning of nuclear attacks. If those capabilities are threatened or even worse destroyed, it could create a situation of strategic uncertainty and potentially increase the risk of an accidental nuclear war. Now, lastly, the United States and China are already engaged in a broader geopolitical competition because China, U- the U.S. is seen as the superpower or the number one global power, and China wants to be that number one global power. Right. Um, and so, the space race could add another layer. Of tensions to that relationship,
1: that about covers everything in space, I think. Anyway,
2: you satisfied?
1: Um, kind of. I I just wanted to, I wanted to talk honestly more about the fact they want to just take over all of space, like the yeah. space over every country, and obviously that's going to change because the Earth, you know, rotates on its exas- on its axis and everything, and then also goes around the sun, so it would change by the minute, like airspace, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's... Because I feel like, um, you know, how 12 nautical miles off of the shore of a country that's considered international waters, right? It's 12 nautical miles? Okay, so now they're going to have to come up with something similar to that for all the countries on the planet, like within however many miles is considered off-limits for space exploration, but you know... You nailed it. only three countries have access as of right now.
2: And so think of it a lot like, um, what, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th century. Right. The sea exploration where, the, you know, trying to find yeah. new land and, and all that kind of stuff. That is what we're going through in space right now.
1: That is kind of cool, honestly.
2: Yeah, it's cool. It, we have new pioneers. It's also scary because the amount of wars that went on. Just yeah. based off of that, it's yeah. is frightening.
1: Well, as of right now, since that's all the information we have and a lot of it's classified, I guess that covers everything with space.
0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, O, oh, O, oh, O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Since we are talking about China right now, let's discuss the increased tensions over Taiwan's president meeting with U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. What the heck is going on there?
2: Yeah, so um, actually, Taiwan's president has traveled to the. US this week. She's supposed to meet with Speaker McCarthy. Um, I haven't seen about a you know, a valid reporting that that's actually going to happen. And that's because China has has repeatedly warned U.S. officials not to meet with President Tsai. Um, They say it would show support for Taiwan's desire to be recognized as a separate country.
1: Yeah, that's the point.
2: Yeah, right. So (laughs) Taiwan's president actually stated before she left that external pressure will not prevent Taiwan from engaging with the world and said that Taiwan's armed forces are watching for any potential Chinese moves. While she is abroad, I want to be clear if if you're hearing this for the first time, the United States maintains unofficial ties with Taiwan. Oh, but the U.S. is required by law, by U.S. law to provide the island with the means to defend itself.
1: Oh, that's how they get away with it. Yep. Okay. well, what measures is China likely to take in response to President Tsai Ing-wen's meeting with the U.S. House Speaker? Kevin McCarthy.
2: Good job on the name. Um, now, China has not specified the exact measures it's going to take in response. However, uh, the spokesperson for China's Taiwan Affairs Office did state that such a meeting would be seen as a provocation that violates the One China Principle. If you don't know what the One China Principle is, it's that you know, China has all of this land, and countries have agreed that China does have those lands. And that's why it's unofficial that the US supports Taiwan. Oh. Now <laughs> the the um, China's Taiwan Off- Affairs Office also said that the trip actually harms China's sovereignty and territorial integrity. So it it is possible that China could actually increase its military, economic or and or diplomatic pressure on Taiwan. Or what I think is most likely it's going to take retaliatory measures like imposing sanctions on Taiwan to decrease its economy.
1: Well, are security agencies in Taiwan preparing for potential influence campaigns or cyber attacks from China during Tsai's trip to the United States? And if so, how are they preparing for
2: those? Well, what I can say, after looking at the internal memos from Taiwan, Security agencies in Taiwan are worried about China launching influence campaigns. That would include spreading misinformation on social media platforms, which would sway public perceptions of the visit. So they expect Beijing to deepen its quote-unquote cognitive operations in the coming days. Uh, That memo also stated that China had used large-scale influence campaigns, including cyber attacks, against Taiwan during Nancy Pelosi's visit last year. Right, right, right. So to prepare for those cyber attacks and influence campaigns, Taiwan security agencies are likely to take measures to enhance their cybersecurity. Definitely got to do that. They're also going to monitor social media platforms for suspicious activities.
1: Let's go back to that term that you just used. Cognitive operations.
2: What are those? okay I like throwing terms around it like it? That,
1: was it shoes what are those <laughs> the, what are those <laughs> what are those when the kid you know that that show that clip from he's got ugly shoes on or something and so they would point at his shoes and they're like what are those I think <laughs> I'm probably getting that wrong okay shut up Tina. <laughs> <that> again answer
2: <laughs> that was yeah well <laughs> so cognitive operations uh right. They Thank are you for
1: bringing us back on track because I couldn't, even... I couldn't even remember what I was trying to ask you to do.
2: Um, so they're basically a set of psychological and information operations designed to influence and manipulate people's perceptions, beliefs and attitudes. Um, it actually involves the use of various tactics such as spreading misinformation, propaganda and fake news on social media platforms. Russia's really good at this. Um, what they try to do is create confusion and then manipulate public opinion.
1: I feel like that's every government everywhere all the time. Yeah. Well, I guess we can't talk cognitive operations enough to mention North Korea, but the news of the week there is all about the new nuclear warheads put on display by North Korea. What can you tell everybody about that?
2: Oh, right. Um, So let's start. So that was the photos of the warheads there, Wasan 31s, and... Those photos actually suggest progress in miniaturizing warheads that are powerful enough to mount on intercontinental ballistic missiles, which would be capable of striking the United States.
1: Well, when you're forced to do one job for an indeterminate amount of hours or else your family's not going to be able to eat, I imagine there would be progress. Yes. Well, so- how advanced are North Korea's miniatur- miniaturization capabilities? Miniaturization. Nailed it. I, I, that just doesn't sound right, even though I know it's correct. <laughs> Miniature. Oh, my gosh. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that again. How advanced are their capabilities for its nuclear warheads, and what implications does this have for its ability to strike the United States?
2: So as as Tiana figures out that word I <laughs> um... to
1: sit here and just mouth it to myself <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um
2: now we all have to well I've we got to caveat all this with you have if you believe North Korea that mm-hmm. suspect um but the pictures are actually a clear indication that North Korea has improved its nuclear capabilities I don't know about the miniaturization portion of it right but this development could actually have significant implications for North Korea's ability to threaten the United States with nuclear weapons. That's the big worry. That's that's because if we believe North Korea and where they are in their nuclear weapons uh, capabilities, it's going to increase the range and flexibility of its nuclear arsenal. I will say it is important to note that analysts still need to verify whether those pictured warheads, are actually deployable.
1: So this isn't about its um radioactive tsunami? No. This is a different weapon.
2: Yeah, that's so a th- different that that's something different.
1: And uh, nobody believes it obviously cuz so, nobody has reported on it. <laughs> no one believes that they can send radioactive tsunamis anywhere yet.
2: Is it's that not, is that it's not, not the, just, I'll say from my personal opinion, it's okay. not that I don't believe it Right. It's that I don't see, I just don't see a use case for it. Right. Oh, we're going to send a tsunami to what? Seattle? Well, they, you know, Seattle actually has, or a lot of those Pacific c- cities, cities actually have walls to protect from tsunamis. Oh. Okay. Not huge tsunamis like you would see. You know, if they In
1: two thousand twelve, they... the movie two thousand twelve
2: Yeah, not not before, something like that. Or but... that
1: movie that movie with Tom Holland and Naomi Watts and Ewan McGregor, what is that called? Oh, Josh sorry. and
2: Jacob will tell us. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well what I, I will say is it's just super weird because if the blast would happen, the time it takes for the tsunami to actually be created. It's it's going to take a lot of time, and it just going to
1: kill a lot of
2: our well, animals. Yeah, it's going to kill a, a lot of rough sea rough life. Now. Yes. Yeah. I I just don't see a use case for it. Sorry. Okay. Well, I tell hope... me if I'm wrong, people.
1: No, I hope no, I hope you are correct. I hope you are absolutely correct, and this is not this is a non-issue. So let's get to what we're actually supposed to be talking about. Um, what. <clears throat> is the status of the U.S. efforts to negotiate verifiable denuclearization in or with North Korea? And how does the U.S. plan to respond to North Korea's continued development of nuclear weapons?
2: Okay, so I'm not going to go off of opinion. I'm just going to go right to White House National Security Spokesperson John Kirby. So the United States remain... He says that the United States remains willing to discuss verifiable denuclearization of the korean peninsula but he also states north korea has shown no desire for such talks
1: obviously
2: yeah i mean uh (laughs) now in response so for the u.s in response to north korea's continued development of nuclear weapons u.s officials plan to maintain appropriate military capabilities and readiness to protect national security interests so anyone who's worried about the wild card that is North Korea, we are tracking that as far as the U.S. is concerned. Um, And so trying to protect national security interests for the U.S., but also the allies of the U.S.
1: Well, that is a concerning development for the international community, but I know many countries have expressed their own worry about the potential threats posed by North Korea's development of these weapons. Exactly. However... Let's shift our focus to a different topic for now. Obviously, as things develop, we will be keeping an eye on them. Recently, there have been widespread protests in France, in Israel. Have you been following the recent protests? Do you think that they could have an impact on the geopolitical landscape in the near future?
2: So, yeah, I mean, I've been looking at it. Um, the protests definitely have the possibility to have a major impact on the geopolitical landscape. Um, And it's going on, I mean, it's going on right now. It's changing policy within all those countries. So let's talk about France. What does it do for France? The protests could lead to further social and political unrest. um, And that's going to weaken President Macron's government. Now, if we shift over to Israel, the protests are actually against the government's proposed overhaul of the judiciary system. Um, what That's pretty much what sparked this protest, which is the biggest protest movement in the country's history. And the actual results of that could be an erosion of democratic norms within Israel and the rule of law. And that's tough. So I'm going to say that the international community has actually expressed alarm over the direction that Israel is heading and with that direction, the potential impact on the current Palestinian conflict with Israel. I'm going to say the ultimate impact of these protests on, if we're talking about a geopolitical landscape, it remains to be seen. Um, it's going to depend on how the respective governments respond to that public pressure.
1: Well, what is the level of violence or disruption associated with the protests? And how has law enforcement responded to them?
2: All right, I'll separate them again. So for France, okay,
1: I guess I could have asked in two separate questions. No, what no, combining it's... things and making your brain, <laughs> your little brain wheels turn.
2: And for most things, you can put them together, but mm-hmm. the fact. So I will say, from a political standpoint, from an ideological standpoint, the two protests have separate um, ideologies. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, okay.
1: Get to uh, it. Tell us. Yeah.
2: So in France, some of the def- the demonstrations have turned violent. Um, that is because of clashes between protesters and police. There have also been incidents of vandalism and arson. Uh, French law enforcement has responded by deploying tear gas, water cannons. They've also made arrests. Um, there's also been reports of police violence against protesters. That's drawn criticism from human rights groups. So we'll, we'll talking about the Israel protests, those actually started out really peaceful. I think there were like 800,000 protesters at one time. Anytime you have 800,000 people, that becomes more violent.
1: That sounds like a, sounds like a nightmare.
2: Right. Um, now, what has happened there, clashes between protesters and police, similar to what's mob happening in France. Mentality. Have, yes, mob mentality and so that's become violent uh similar I- incidents of vandalism and arsons uh and arson but israel israeli police have made dozens of arrests and um i will say that there have been some reports it's not verified yet of police violence against those protesters
1: well are there any external actors like um Foreign governments or extremist groups that could become involved in these protests to escalate the situation because that tends to happen,
2: especially oh, yeah. like
1: in American protests. You know, they kind of take over.
2: One hundred percent, you were you spot on. You, I mean, yeah, you, you got it. You, <laughs> you, you understand geopolitics like none other. No, I, I don't
1: think, I don't think. I don't think it's anything to do with geopolitics. I just know how people can be
2: yeah (laughs) you understand about
1: people it's that (laughs) empath in me
2: (laughs) so i'm gonna say that there's no verified evidence of significant involvement by foreign governments or extremist groups either in france or israel Uh, it is possible that such actors could become involved in the in the future this is ex- especially, I almost said especially, like I was I from it, Eunice.
1: Yeah. I heard especially. I did not hear especially. I heard especially.
2: That's that Louisiana public education coming like right now. i always
1: say, I'm fixing to go do it. I got made fun of in college
2: <laughs> so
1: much. Re- I'm fixing to go do it. That's literally what everybody said. I thought it's I was using that word
2: correctly. Coastal like, cocktails.
1: Oh no, I don't think, well, I mean, no. I think it's yeah. just our southern upbringings
2: yeah that's deep very true
1: south deep southern upbringings but yeah i got made but fun of conflicts ex- so shut up let me talk about me
2: <laughs> talk about college. i'm
1: just kidding i'm just kidding let's uh, move on
2: no so i wanted to say in in the case it's very worrisome for israel right right because of the you know hezbollah the palestinian groups other regional actors like oh i don't know iran
1: oh yeah
2: we we failed to mention this week so here's your mention iran they're so those,
1: pumped right now
2: right they love it
1: <laughs> they um, love it
2: those are the kind of entities that are going to seek to exploit un- unrest in israel and that's because they want to further their own agenda right um Now I'll I'll also say bringing both countries back together. The protests have attracted international attention, and so that's going to lead to increased scrutiny from foreign governments and organizations. That could have
1: everybody wants. They love it when other countries meddle in their affairs. They love it.
2: Yes, that is what they love. Um, It only has good things that happen.
1: Right. It only (laughs) helps. Situation never makes it worse
2: we're trying to bring levity to this <laughs> yeah. this yeah, world and not
1: being serious obviously we are aware that that's not the case but
2: yeah um yes. i will so in the the you know with levity comes an important note
1: let's crash us back down to earth
2: Yeah, let's get this. back down let's get... <laughs> i want to just reiterate that at this time no matter what any you know no matter what uh, other news organizations are reporting From what I have seen, there's no clear indication of foreign involvement in the protests.
1: Okay, well, that's a pretty good, you know, little synopsis of the implications of the France and Israel protests. Do you have anything else for us this week?
2: After that, we are
0: definitely out of time for this week.
1: And before I get into my usual spiel, I just want to say thank you so much to all of our listeners who have been giving us those five-star reviews because it keeps climbing up there and we appreciate you so much. And we know you guys are busy and taking those few minutes to go give us a review really help us out. So I guess I should get back to what I usually say, which is... Thank you for listening to our humble little independent podcast. We hope you found it informative and engaging. But if you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please let us know. And if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, follow us on Instagram at Ocoinanalytics.com. But if you are one of those people who have not done this... You can go to wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review because those can help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And by the way, it's working, guys. So we appreciate you so much. Keep it up.
2: Yeah, I'd love yeah, it. Yeah, we,
1: we really, 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 really do appreciate you. We've had we've gotten a lot of really lovely feedback in the last couple months, which we re- we appreciate because between sickness and personal family things we appreciate you guys sticking with us through all that stuff because we've had a lot going on.
2: Yeah. And I will say that we do sit and we read all the, the reviews that come up on. Um, so Spotify doesn't really do like verbal. You can't put words into the review. Yeah, right. Um, now they do have like a, a Q&A thing that we'll, we'll look into to start doing. But for Apple, you can actually write the actual review and say what you like or what you don't like about it. And we read those. Yeah. Like we sit and talk to each other about it. Um,
1: yeah. And honestly, a... even constructive criticism yep. would be good.
2: We, um we you love, know, we
1: definitely r- don't have it all figured out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we love the, the good reviews, but also yeah. sort of the critical stuff. We do take yeah. that into account and we do in the, in sort of the production of this talk about it and we bring some of those into the podcast so thank you very much
1: yeah we appreciate it because we know you could be listening to i don't know cnn like was mentioned NPR. earlier. in pr oh yeah that's a good one i don't know any news park pod- i don't listen to podcasts except our,
2: our <laughs> there you go that's or a true, ringing endorsement or
1: True crime or true crime so those are those are the two things i do true crime because i am a basic basic I mean, middle-aged housewife
2: I love some true crime as well um, yeah if you want some true crime recommendations we could give you that But
1: yeah we can do that too
2: so aside from all of that yeah. I, I like I always do I want to cut out some time to say Tiana yeah. thank you so very much for being here with me asking the tough questions asking all of the questions I, I really appreciate it right. and until next week stay safe out there